everybody, you're listening to so many sequels. I'm Josh. I'm Andrew. I did this on purpose, don't, don't pause the recording. <laughs> that was me. Pretend that was my impression of Michael Myers. I didn't talk silent. I didn't talk for 15 years. Yeah. I'm Garrett. That was 15 years? Yeah. Wow. Today on the show, we're talking about Halloween uh, 1978, the original mm-hmm. version, not the uh, remake or any of its sequels yet. We're kicking off October in a spooky way. We're going to do Halloween all month long, starting today with 1978 and ending, hopefully ending, we're still working out the, the logistics of it, but ending with the with the brand new sequel, Halloween, which comes out at the end of this month, starring, again, Jamie Lee Curtis is back um, for more. In this one, mm-hmm. it's our first uh, Michael Myers adventure. Michael Myers is a... Uh, he doesn't start out as a serial killer, I guess. He becomes one. Uh, he, as he, when, when he was six years old, he kills his sister on Halloween night for no apparent reason and then is carted off to a mental institution. And 15 years later, he escapes and starts stalking a handful of high school students on Halloween night. And Jamie Lee Curtis stars in her first major film role. Mm-hmm. Yes, and introducing Jamie Lee Curtis. That's- introducing <clears throat> Jamie Lee Curtis in her first major film role. And she has to figure out a way to survive uh, Stabby McStabberson Michael Myers on Halloween night while she's babysitting two children. So I had seen this before when I was uh, younger. I don't remember how old I was, but it's not my first. It's the first time for you two to see the first introductory of Michael Myers in Halloween, right? Yep. What yep. was your takeaway thinking? Because, like... I, I I I like slasher flicks and I like the slasher serial killer, but Michael Myers has always been my not like I guess least favorite. Not to say I don't like it. He's just when I rank them, he's normally at the bottom. But that changed for me. I'll get to that in a minute. But like, what was your takeaway? I liked it a lot. I did too. Uh, I so from from my understanding, this is the film that kind of reinvigorated the slasher fix fix flicks. <laughs> that kind of. Uh, Really got took to popularity under Hitchcock with Psycho and whatnot. Yeah, it's kind of brought it back and made it mainstream. But what I like about it is over time, slasher films got pretty muddied and kind of inconsistent, and they just became about gore. Mm-hmm. And, and this one is not. There's very little gore in it. Mm-hmm. It's mostly um, uh, suspense horror. Mm-hmm. And I I appreciate that a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was one of the things that they wanted to do. They wanted to not have a lot of gore. Um, the creators of Halloween wanted it to be like a character based horror movie, rather a than character building. Yeah, rather than uh, blood and guts and and all of that stuff. I mean, it was it was so cheaply made. They may not have had the budget to be able to do some of that stuff. Yeah, but they went into it saying that they don't want it. To have blood or gore. Rather, he wanted it... Yeah, he says... Uh, rather, he wanted it character-driven, compelling drama with all the right scares in all the right places, is what they said. I really like this movie because I love how just tense it is. I mean, it's mm-hmm. a very tense film. Even today. I mean, it's what? 40 years old? 40 years old this year. It's like, okay. That's like twice as young as you. But anyway... Uh, um, man... <laughs> You threw, threw him off the game. You did throw him off. Trick or treat, anyway. Boy. No, uh, I loved. 
I love this movie for a couple of reasons, and the reason, uh, the main reason being, is that one, it's a John Carpenter flick. I I love John Carpenter. Um, I've always thought that his '80s films, uh, his '80s films, especially his early works, were really really good. Um, it surprises me as much as you talk about the thing. That you've never seen this? No, I've never seen this. How? Why is that? Do you, like, just hadn't I'm, been in the I've, situation to see it, or never interested, or it really, honestly, that's it. It really just never interested me. Anything that has to deal with like serial killers or anything like that, I just like, eh, it's really not interesting to me. Anything that's supernatural, yeah, sure. Well, you're not. I think you're also you're not much of a horror guy, are you? Not really. Yeah. Not really. Yeah. It took me a while to 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 get into it mm-hmm. because I like. I like my horror movies to be a little more complex than a lot of times they mm-hmm. are these days. Mm-hmm. So I'm picky with them. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean I understand that, but like the other thing I really like, I really like this movie is that it's an independent feature. And if I have to say anything, this is what like I think the power of independent movies purely lies in just not how you how much money you spend on a movie, but how well you tell it. And I think you can do that with any amount of money possible. And case in point, it's this movie. Because when you look at... Uh, really, when you look at the horror genre, the horror genre kind of sustains itself on independent cinema. Because you don't really see a whole lot of big-budget horror flicks that do extremely well. No. But when it comes to when it comes to independent cinema, horror reigns true. A lot of horror movies, like, you know... Take for example, Saw. Saw was produced on like a one point five million dollar budget. That's pretty small compared to you know what it is now. Right. And the Purge. Purge was Purge was an independent film, but it was a pretty small budget movie. But you know, I want to say right now and go on record that like it's probably it's probably without a doubt probably the best independent movie I've ever watched is this movie right now. That's a big thing to say. Mm-hmm. It's the best independent movie you've ever watched. Do you mean that based on a storytelling aspect? Because of how well and successful it did as far as like... I would argue that it's probably the most successful monetarily. Because I don't feel like most people would know that it's an independent movie based on the lasting power it's had. The success that it's had. That's right. The mainstream ability that it garnered post. Mm -hmm. But are you saying that you yourself, this is the best movie you have seen that is an independent movie sure yeah i'll go ahead and say that because it's because i what i love about this movie i mean i've already stated what i love about this movie but i just like that even 40 years later you know i was just sitting here watching it with you guys and nearly jumped out of my seat several times you did and so you like what this was able to do yeah with its with its very limited budget with its limited resources and how it's managed to uh, create a notch in film history for itself. Sure. You said earlier something I liked a lot, that a story, a good story can be told without a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And that, uh, yes, I agree with that, and I love that sentiment. Movies don't need a big budget to tell a story. I think you can tell a good story without any money, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it is interesting uh, to see that unfold in situations like this that lead you know, a movie like Halloween to become one of the most successful independent films simply because of how much money it made versus how much it spent. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. Now, and, and you went down the line of some horror movies that do that too. Oh, and one, one I forgot, Night of the Living Dead. Sure. 
I yeah. totally forgot about Night of I, the Living Dead. A lot of horror movies do start out with low budgets, even today, because they don't often make a ton. No. So they can make some they can make some profit on a mm. small budget. People, people go for that stuff. I find it I find it weird that like I find it weird that of all independent anything that has to do with independent cinema horror films the most are the most successful so i had a few so from a story point i think overall it did a good job but i had questions mostly and i think it's one of those where it's like because you don't have the answers it makes it a little scarier but because of the way that the story developed over the movie it leads me to believe that something happened and it it mostly has to do with michael myers as a kid Mm-hmm. So, like, he murders his sister at the beginning of the movie. We don't know why. It's never addressed as to why. Um, the doctor that is in the movie and, and treated Michael Myers basically says that he's the most evil being that he's ever seen. He's spent eight years trying to keep him locked up. There's nothing behind him. It's just soulless evil. So that that's fine. But what what it comes back to and and makes me have the questions is the fact that Michael Myers deliberately went back to his sister's grave and stole the tombstone. That is a vengeance kind of a thing. So for me, it leads me to believe that there is something there. There is a reason in Michael Myers' mind that he did it. It's not just pure evil at that point in time because if it was, then he wouldn't necessarily care. He wouldn't have gone back and stolen the gravestone, that implies some kind of bigger thing than just pure evil. And so my question is, what happened? What led up to him wanting to do that? I'm just curious. So, what... Go ahead. Well, I was going to say that at this point in time, before any other remakes or sequels have come out, there's not a backstory to Michael Myers. And I think that is part of what makes him... Scarier I, is that you, those those holes make you wonder, and any bit that makes you wonder about him makes him a little scarier for me anyway. And I think that's a sentiment uh, that a lot of people have. In the future, I uh, I don't know much about the these particular ones, but I know in the Rob Zombie remakes in in his Halloween two, they give Michael Myers some backstory and some motivations and whatnot, and that has mixed results because you can never really make everyone happy when when you've given some when you've given a character uh, a blank slate you're never gonna give people what they want because they've filled in their own they've used their mind to fill in the holes themselves and i think that's another thing that makes him a great character is that you can you can think about that a lot and what causes him to do these things i i agree and and the reason why i agree is for two reasons Number one is the Joker from the Dark Knight. We don't know his origins. We don't know where he comes from. Generally, no. Yeah. I mean, we. I mean, if you read the comic books, you would probably know his origins from there. But the thing is, is that the the Christopher Nolan's Joker. Sure. We know nothing about. He just appears and he causes chaos. Now, the other thing I want to mention is I think one of the things I, I love about movies like this is. When less is more, like it's not. Gen- it's not necessarily the less you see him, the more terrifying it is. It actually is, but 
but the less you know about them, the more terrifying it is. It kind of goes with the long... It's like, I'm going to compare it right now to Jaws. And the reason why is because Jaws, you don't see the shark. You never see the shark. And when you don't see the shark, you're left to guess as to just how dangerous this fucking animal really is. Mm-hmm. That's what I have to say in comparison to Michael Myers. You don't see him a lot. You don't know too much about him. Therefore, he's a fuckload more dangerous than we think he is. For a long time, you don't even see his mask in the movie. No. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do a good job of showing shots that are either shoulder down or feet only for a good portion of it. Or him yeah. at a distance while he's wearing a Which mask. Which makes him see. double scary. And, and I'm fine with all of that, but for me... It, it, that would have been fine, and I would have been fine with all of that until the fact that he purposely went back and stole that gravestone. Mm-hmm. If he wouldn't have done that and they made it like an actual vengeance thing, if he would have gone back to his home, because that's where he was, is from, and, and started stalking all these people, that's fine. Um, but the fact that they, they purposely showed you his sister's gravestone, mm-hmm. and the fact that he stole it, and the fact that he put it above the bed of another person that he had killed later in the movie. That is why I have that question, and that's why it's like, I have this thing, is because they purposely made it a part of the story. If he was just pure evil, mm-hmm. then that wouldn't have been a thing. He would have gone back to his home and started terrorizing it, because that's what he's familiar with, and that would have been fine. But that's why that question was raised, and that's why I think it's it's different than just like not knowing enough about him. They set you up to ask that question because they put it out there and they didn't answer it. If he would have just come back and started murdering people, that's fine. That's evil. But that's why I had to I don't know. I think digging up the gravestone is pretty evil. I think it still makes him very, like, I think it still comes from a place of pure evil. It does, but, like, there is something in his brain. Because that's that's a crime, that's... it, It comes across as a crime of passion at that point in time. In a sense of, you're deliberately trying to recreate the murder of your sister. So you, as Michael Myers as a killer, have something in your head as a vengeance-type thing as to why you wanted her dead because now you're going through your brain and trying to replicate and kill and you still have her in your mind as the, the focus. Like, he's not... Tw- he's He's come back to his hometown... He's stalking Lori, Jamie Lee Curtis's character at the time, because my assumption is that she's the first person he saw at the house. Because he was in the house and he saw her come up to the porch and leave. So he's stalking her and sees all of these other people around her and just starts murdering them. But it still stems from Michael Myers' sister. Yeah. He, I mean, really, he kind of... he. He's got his eye on her, but he really stalks her last. Because uh, he goes through a lot of trouble to stalk everyone else first. True. And get to them. Because mm-hmm. uh, it's not like the other characters get in his way. He goes to them and kills them. Yeah. So, I yeah, I don't know. I don't know his motivations, and I'm, none of us do. No, and that's don't. what I like about it. Yeah. Because, um, I mean, he goes back to his house, I think... Because it's this is a symbol of a, a life-altering experience for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know the reasoning. No, we don't know why he killed her. We don't know why he came back other than this is his home. 
that he left as a six-year-old when he was carted off to a mental institution. So uh, all he knows to go back to would be his home. Right. Sure. Why he dug up the gravestone, I also don't know, because I f- find it strange to to do that as an act of revenge, because it's not a vengeful thing. It's just a weird thing. I guess I guess revenge may not be accurate. It's it's hate. Like you don't desecrate somebody's gravestone on purpose unless you have some unless you're like a vandal like a stupid kid vandal. But like he murdered her and deliberately took it. So that's an act of like pure hate is to take somebody's gravestone away like that and purposely remove it and tarnish it in a way. At least that's that's what I would Or he's like, so evil that he left it as a calling card. And he just doesn't care about her at all. No. What do you think, Andrew? Why do you think he dug up the gravestone? <clears throat> yes. <laughs> you don't have a theory? I really don't have a theory because it never crossed my mind. Mm-hmm. Like... The whole gravestone. I'll admit it didn't really cross mine at the time. It, it didn't. It didn't. It it honestly didn't cross my mind until you brought it up. Like I kind of just thought, oh, dude's crazy. Uh, yeah, dude's I mean, crazy. I mean, like the the only thing I can think of is the reason why he why he brought that. And by the way, a headstone is not light. So no, it's no. Ex- no, I don't think a person can lift it. No. So especially it, that one was very large. Oh yeah, it was, it was an extra big one. Yeah. So to just have that, just you know, carry that up the stairs. Michael Myers, I, I don't like you as a person, but I'm quite impressed. So. <laughs> He's clearly a strong boy. A very strong boy. Uh, Young guy, too. Uh, to my mind, he'd only be 21. Yeah. But uh, my only guess is is that he's fucking nuts, and this goes to the extent of his insanity. Yeah. So. The, the other lot of questions. The other questions that I had was whenever the doctor and the nurse were traveling to the mental institution, is how did they escape? They never really addressed that. Like... They approach, and all of a the sudden, there are people out and about. And the the nurse is like, "Do they just let them wander around?" And the answer is no, obviously. Yeah. But how did they escape? Is, that is another thing that they never really addressed. Well, I don't think it mattered as much. It it wouldn't really. It just doesn't. Like they escaped. I don't think it mattered. Yeah. I don't know, cause I mean, you would think why, that if it's a mental institution, what would it change story wise? Well. I think it's just the logistics of it, of because you can't just escape. I mean, that many people, that can. many people, because <laughs> there were a lot of people wandering around, and they were just kind of aimlessly wandering. The only one that really had a reason to get out was Michael. You see him jump on the car and attack that woman. Who, first of all, I, I love horror movies because it raises so many like, why are you doing this questions. So somebody jumps on the top of her car. They're escaped mental patients. You might think they're they're a danger if they're locked up. She rolls down the window and is like, "What's going on up there?" And then Michael comes in and is like, "Oh, you shouldn't have done that. It's it just don't do that. It's just don't do that, lady. Stay in the car." And then whenever he tries to break it, then you run. But no, don't roll down the window ever. No. Ever. You also got to think about like <laughs> Sorry. Where did he get his mask from? I don't care. It doesn't matter. But I think about it. Mm-hmm. Do you know who the mask is? Yep. Do you? Yeah. Okay. For those of you that it's don't. one of the best facts in movie history. Yeah. It is a uh, 
Star Trek Captain Kirk mask that they spray painted white. And they were like, what's the cheapest mask we can find? Mm -hmm. And that they was it. They spray painted it white, they widened the eyes, and they shortened the hair. Yep. I love it. He didn't, uh, Shatner didn't know it for years. I didn't know that. That's yeah. funny. He didn't know about it. And when he found out about it, I think just through like an interview someone told him, he was he was honored by it. Yeah, there I'd have been like, where are my royalties? <laughs> Give me my money. Now, I wonder if they still do that. Like if it's still like in all I think the, it is in all the subsequent Halloween movies are they still like you? Oh, uh, it's probably become just a Michael Myers. No, I'm sure mask. they make it, it yeah. its own mask now. Um, that would be a good idea. Mm -hmm. Well, because like it's not it's not just a a William Shatner mask. They altered it heavily, so right. you know, like you don't. It doesn't look even remotely like him. No, not in the. In slightest. fact, I would love to see a picture of what the actual mask would look like before they altered it. Just to see if it even looks like William Shatner, because you know how masks are. It looks look like Baby Shatner. Not great, but I've, I've seen like a version of that mask. It's not great. Um, but that it's also interesting, because he, he wore a mask to kill his sister when he was six years old. So you know that that is also something that triggered him to, to put on a mask yeah. in his adult life. Well. Yeah. I really enjoyed the opening scene of this movie, because you don't know at first... That you're watching it through the eyes of six-year-old Michael Myers. You look; it looks like it's a bunch of establishing shots. You're looking through the window. There's a couple of teenagers making out on the couch. They go upstairs, and you go into the house, and then you see Michael Myers, or you see a hand get the knife, and you follow it. the The guy comes back downstairs and leaves. You go upstairs. You still, and you don't know this is Michael Myers at the time. Still. Going up, then you put, then he puts on the mask, and you can only see through the eye holes of the mask, and it really builds this tension. And there's, it's mostly quiet. Yeah. Uh, which is why I have a note here that the importance of this of the music in this movie, because it really sets the tone and the suspense. In addition to the way that shot, and then you see the hand coming down, murdering the sister, and then he walks outside, and then you see it. Michael and realize who it is and it sets the the tone for that. I thought it was a really great way to start the tension and build the creepiness that he later establishes as he appears for seconds and stalks and vanishes and you never know who he's going to be or where he's going to be or if it's actually him or somebody else. It gives you a lot of those jump scares throughout the movie and I really liked it. In terms of jump scares, has probably gave birth to the jump scare. <laughs> and as much as I like jump scares uh, in this movie, jump scares anymore are just like a cheap way to make a scary movie scary. Like there's nothing... Scary movies today don't... There's a lot of scary movies out there that call themselves scary without actually being that way. And they provide... There's nothing that provides actual tension. Right, right. You gotta look at... A lot of horror movies as a they're they're kind of like a roller coaster yeah you go to a horror movie during october halloween time to get some cheap thrills and most of the time even if they're not good movies they deliver on that mm -hmm. lately we've gotten back to form of making good complex horror movies like your get outs and hereditary <laughs> and other such movies a quiet place a quiet place we've gotten back to that a bit um, but yeah, there, uh, there's always been a long stretch of, especially I would say, uh, the, the early two thousands were a lot of jump scare movies 
and movie, gross out movies like the Saw franchise really uh, caused a lot of like copycat gross out movies yeah, to come out, and they also and they also just have a lot of. I mean, these movies influence each other. Yeah, yeah. So when a movie comes out as a hit, other studios will try to replicate that. Yeah, horror. So that's why we're seeing now a yeah. replication of complex horror movies. Uh, horror movies in general. I mean, they're just. I mean, they're they're just they're campy. They're gross out. I mean, there's nothing psychological about them. They're, they're just there for the eye candy, if you want to call it that. Mm-hmm. For this one, I think they handle the jump scare well. Because most of the t- yeah modern horror movies, you can kind of tell when a jump scare is about to happen. But this one, uh, it, while it doesn't scare me, uh, the only time that I forgot about was when Bob came swinging out of the closet. That was the best scare. That was the best scare. That that did scare me. I what, almost jumped out of this, jumped out of my chair because of that. What this did that was so good as far as like jumps, and and I wouldn't even call them jump scares because they're not. But it it built the tension and it set the the ability because you would see him in the distance Mm -hmm. just looming and creepy. And you never knew when he was going to strike. And realistically, he never really struck in in a scary way. The only time that he did that was when he jumped out of the back seat of the car. That was the first time, and that was a good, more than halfway through the movie, where he like struck... Mm-hmm. And and killed Annie. I believe that's who he killed that way. Uh, and then he came out of the closet and killed Bob, which was kind of an, another time he struck. But other times, he didn't really pop up out of nowhere. You knew what yeah. was going to happen, and you you saw it happening, and it was equally scary. Um, but the fact that he was looming so many times, and you he could do it. They built it that way. Um, there was a time when the doctor was looking at the house and the sheriff came up behind him and grabbed him by the shoulder and you were meant to believe that it was going to be Michael, but it was the sheriff. And they did a lot of those, like, um, switcheroos, yeah. I guess. And they, they did that well. What was everybody's favorite scene? I think my favorite scene, I think my favorite scene would have had to, would had to have been when, uh, when the girl goes into the laundry room and you see Michael's there. And I think it just, that's where everything just starts to build up. And it's building up and it's building up and it starts really building up. Um, yeah, that and I guess whenever she gets, whenever she gets killed. I mean, I don't say, I, anyway, but like. Uh, when you I say just, she, you mean the first victim? Yeah. Annie? Yeah. Whenever the first victim gets killed, it's just, it's such a great build up. I think that's what I like about it most. It's just everything about it just built. Mm-hmm. That's what I that that probably is my favorite scene. Other, the scariest scene is when what's his face Bob is hanging in the closet. Yeah, that good guy. Yeah, it's weird how he even did that. Mm-hmm. I liked I liked the times when Tommy would see Michael through the window at a distance. Uh, one time just standing there, and then the second time carrying the body. Those both gave me goosebumps. They were so deeply creepy. I enjoyed him stalking Lori. Uh, so whenever Lori... Like that whole scene where she walks up to the house to where she goes home and he's just looming throughout the day. Yeah. Um, you see him creep out of the window of the house as she's leaving. 
You see his shoulder watching her walk down the street. You see him standing outside of the window of the classroom staring into her and then he just disappears. You see him come out of the bushes as he's walking home. You see him driving and Annie says something about speeding and he just slams on his brakes and sits there. Like that whole sequence just sets him up in a kind of a way to where you don't know if he's going to lose it or if he's keeping his cool or what he's doing. It's really creepy. Mm-hmm. Andrew, you're a soundtrack guy. What would you think of the score? The score? It's pretty iconic. It's very iconic. And Composed by John Carpenter. By, he, he wrote, directed, and composed the music. And he also, and that's not uncommon in his movies. He, he does that quite a bit. So for him to do this, it's a very, it's a very nerve-pinching score. Mm-hmm. I will say that. I mean, it's just all it is is just three notes, just do 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 do. You know, and it's it, it's enough to get you. It's enough to get you revved up. Mm-hmm. I think it's I think that's what I like about the score. The score on this, it's very heavily synthesized. I can understand if you're doing it on a budget. So, yeah, you have. To, I just has it aged? No, not at all. I mean, you can just if you added like a if you added anything else to it, it probably would just it wouldn't it wouldn't add anything to it. I think the way he did it is the way he should have done it. And this score in particular is very high on this list of memorable. I would agree to an extent. I what? had a I had a slight problem with it at the end and I'll and I I might be on my own here, but I'll explain it. It is without doubt the most iconic and memorable theme to a horror movie, for sure, okay. without a doubt. I would say this and then the shh, 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 oh. of Jason, and then the Saw theme. But the Saw theme, in my opinion, is is somewhat similar to the Halloween theme. Uh, it's but I couldn't pick it out of a lineup. I just know that if I hear it, I know that it's Jigsaw. What I had a, a problem with at the end of the movie, as the movie went on, was the usage of the theme. I really liked the score, and I thought it really set the tension. But I thought they overused the theme itself in moments when they didn't need to use it. I thought it was used a lot of times in dull places where, for me, I think that if... with And I know that it's become iconic, so you didn't really know at the time. Yeah. But if you're trying to make that the main theme, something needs to happen. Mm-hmm. And then you need to use that during the scenes of tension rather than leading up to wanting people to feel tense, because in the scenes when they didn't use it, and they had other score to build that tension, I liked it more. And as they continued to use that scene, or that theme, in scenes that didn't need it, or where it was, nothing happened, but they just wanted to build the suspense, I found it being overused. And I was like, I wish that they would just use it in select moments. Yeah. Where something like you you can't use it to where it's predictable, but something needs to happen, and then the music needs to hit as the something continues to happen. Mm-hmm. I don't know about all that. That's a <laughs> it's a fair argument, but I I liked how I'm gonna go out on a limb and say I liked how it was used. Could it also be the style of filmmaking for the time? Sure, perhaps. Yeah, I mean because synthesize. Are we talking about synthesizers? No, I'm just... talking about the use, the use of music in film 
um, has changed over the years. And I'm wondering if if we're in a in a 2018 mindset, and maybe they did it differently back then, mm-hmm. where, you know, now yeah, you would expect action followed by uh, something loud or uh, fast paced or whatever musically. Mm-hmm. Was it different than old uh, person who watches old movies? Uh, not. <laughs> you uh <laughs> that was not even an insult no it wasn't but you it came do watch off, old no, movies it came off as one because you you put the old first so you said you said old person but you didn't mean to so it said old person who watches old movies and i thought that was funny it wasn't intentional okay but i heard it all right then i take back uh-huh. I, I take that back sure no um when, when it i don't i don't th- Hmm. Not a one of us is an expert, P.S. No. No, I mean... He just watches more old movies, so I thought I'd ask. Uh, not... There's there's sometimes whenever it shows up, I mean, you have to... When I first heard this theme, when I first heard this theme, one of the first things that came to mind was the Exorcist theme. And I don't know if you've ever heard the Exorcist theme. If you listen to this theme, you hear the Exorcist, they sound almost one of the same. Okay. Almost. I mean, they have they have that certain the piano rhythm. Mm-hmm. Okay. They, they have the certain piano rhythm, but at the same time, uh, I don't think it's changed very much. I think the '70s showed us a new way of watching movies because uh, sh- so showed us a new way of watching movies. Also, listening for music, especially with film score, and I think this is what kind of sets it off. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, because especially with horror movies, you get this a lot with horror movies. That's another thing I have to attribute it for. So I'm gonna pull something out of the air and say I think it has changed. Mm-hmm. Um, it's my opinion <laughs> that it has changed, sure. not based on any evidence other than my experiences okay. in the world. That uh, <laughs> it seems more like at the time in in that era, a lot of. Films focus more on uh, big sweeping scores and and themes mm-hmm. that don't that doesn't happen really today. No, you don't get a lot of movies with with a particular theme. No, that comes and goes throughout the film. It's kind of just uh, uh, composed as you go, I guess. Whereas mm. back then, it seemed that they would have these sweeping songs that are now iconic because of the way they were used in those films. And I'm thinking of, you know, your Star Wars movies, your your Raiders, your other uh, movies, your Superman, um, Halloween, that have these iconic scores. And I wonder if it's because of the way they were used in the film. So I can't name I can't name any for for today. The only the only one I can think of. There's actually two, three. Um, the Avengers. I couldn't tell you how that song goes. It, well, anyway, I'm not gonna do it. For, I'm not gonna do it here because of copyright. Uh, <laughs> Maybe a good idea. Um, the Lord of the Rings, and that's 20 years old. Is it? I mean, it, just about. Didn't sure, that movie sure. come out in 2001? Sure, it's 2018. Okay. Just right. about. All right. And uh, Harry Potter, also about 20 years old. There you go. Okay, so yeah, it, today I don't think we really get that. I think we get a lot of noise. I think we get a lot of noise for film scores Mm -hmm. uh i really wish i could name one like within the last five years that has actually made an impact but i can't 
I can't either. You know, we we live in a time right now where superheroes overtake a lot of cinema, mm. and they might all have themes, but I don't know what they are. No, because I just don't think it's a focus today. No, and that's that was my argument. Was I think I think soundtrack, I think scores were used differently back then. That's all. I think for me it was just it, by the end of the movie I had heard the that theme so often and then nothing happened that it took some of the power away from it. It w- it got to a point where they'd play it and I'd be like, oh, something's about, oh, no, no. Mm-hmm. Oh, something's about, oh, no. Yeah. Oh, something's about, oh, no, it's not gonna, oh, oh, now something happened, but okay, now I don't care because I'm just like, whatever. Sure. I, I would like it to have been an important thing when something is happening. Mm-hmm. So like, play it, like, he comes out, scares, play it whenever he's killing something. Pl- give it, give it power because it took some of the power away from it despite the fact that it's still iconic and I love it but in the movie itself give it some power and play it when something important's happening not leading up to something important or or just wanting to set the tone of creepiness because then it took the power away from it at the end of the movie I, for me anything else anyone wants to add about the film itself before we move on to our to other sections of the discussion uh, this is the epitome at the end of the movie, of wrong decision, wrong decision, wrong decision. No shit. I can't tell you. Girl, Jamie Lee Curtis. <laughs> I knew we were going to get into this, but I do have to add that this is a trope of horror movies, and we all know it. Yes, but. And so I wouldn't use it as a critique too heavily. No, 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 no. Because no, every movie does it. Here's the thing. If we're saying that this reinvigorated the the horror franchise... This well, is the one slasher flicks. Right. This is the one that started that trend and everything followed it because sure. it was successful. Sure. So ah, that's going down a rabbit hole. I don't know that I don't know that I want to agree I with can't that. I mean, I don't know how other slasher movies were in the in the in the other one. But the this wrong like listen, Michael Myers at the end of the movie is in the house with Jamie Lee Curtis and the two kids. Michael Myers she and then all of the sudden he had been super accurate with his stabby stabs. And then missed her three times. It just weirdly. But whatever, I'm not going to critique that. And I'm not critiquing the, this as a movie itself. Like, I get it. It just creates suspense and whatever. I just think it's funny to talk about in horror movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, tries to stab her. Misses. Stabs him in the neck. He drops the knife. She leaves the damn knife there and doesn't check to make sure he's dead. Runs yeah. up the stairs to get the kids and is like, oh, Oh, we're safe now. He's dead. Nah, nah, girl, you don't know that. You didn't check, and you didn't stab him seven more times, because I would have. The only one that I think is indefensible is the second time she drops the knife. Yes. The second time she stabbed him. I'll agree. Because the first time, we gotta remember, she's a high school teenager. Adrenaline just stabbed a guy. You probably would also think he was dead. Sure. Who's who? Who would guess that he was faking it? Okay, I. But the the second time. Then that you don't have an excuse that time. this day and age with seeing the horror, amount of horror movies that I have and, and like murder stuff, I'd keep that weapon. And there's a likelihood that I would have checked, mm-hmm. but that's just based on horror movie experience. I mean, but yes, the second time when she was hiding in the closet and she stabbed him in the gut, and then she dropped the knife again right next to his body. Mm-hmm. Nope, no, girl, you hold on to that knife. Yeah. Do not let it go. Drop the knife once, shame on you. Drop the knife twice, well, tough shit. And then, well, and then she tells the kids to get out of the house smart. Go 
away, get help. Awesome. Why do you keep, why do you stay in the same room? Why do you keep your back to him? Mm-hmm. For a very long time. Girl. Dumb kid. Girl. This is a dumb kid. I mean, I'd have stabbed him 500 times. At the, at the second time that he tried to kill me, I would have been like, nah, nah, nah. I'd have psychoed him. Then mm-hmm. you'd be in the mental institution. No, and then that's Halloween self, two would be you. That's self defense at that point. Not at a certain level. Well, I guess that's true. <laughs> not at a certain level. <laughs> at a certain level, you just. I would have made much. sure that he was not going to get back up. I tell you what. Oh boy. But no, even even still, with and I and I love pointing out like, oh, you shouldn't. Have, did it, why why would you run upstairs? Yeah. There's also yeah because I think part uh, a lot of the fun of of horror movies is yelling at the screen yes that's a thing people do it's like dude don't go in exactly, there exactly because you, know he's in there. you have the foresight as an audience member to know what they're getting into and to know the mistakes they're making and it makes it more fun for you to watch it yeah when you see them not know yes and that's that that's very much enjoyable and i like it a lot i'm trying to think if there's anything else that i want to point out and throw in there but i think that's good i think i'm good with that like it's so much fun and i just i don't know I said at the beginning of the movie is that I found it originally when I watched it as a kid I found it boring, um, but at, uh, growing up and watching it as an adult and understanding what they're doing, the the tension setting is really good and I liked it a lot. I think it was still slow, uh, I but think you I were think a psycho as a kid. <laughs> Can you imagine watching this as a kid and being anything but Man, but traumatized? I was I was terrified <laughs> to go. This is boring. Defense, I, don't, like, what? I don't think I was a child. I don't remember how old I was, but I do remember that I was younger. I was just younger. I was terrified as a kid whenever I watched the movie Troll 2. <laughs> that was niche. I'm no, I don't know. I'm just saying. I just, uh, yeah, it didn't It didn't necessarily scare me like some of the other ones did. Yeah. I, I thought it was slow as a kid. I thought it was, I didn't, I, I thought it was boring. Um mm. Now I don't. I, I enjoyed it much more. I still think it was slow, mm-hmm. but it was deliberate, and and I appreciated it and I liked it a lot more. Okay. Halloween was released on October twenty fifth, nineteen seventy eight, just a few days before Halloween. Just before a few days, Andrew was born. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> it, it was made on a production budget of three hundred and twenty five thousand dollars, according to Box Office Mojo, and went on to make. Forty-seven million dollars in nineteen seventy-eight money. Wow, that adjusts to a um, hundred and eighty-six million dollars in twenty-eighteen dollars. So it was a big hit for the time. Normally, we would talk about what other movies were in the top ten that week at the box office, but I use Box Office Mojo for these numbers, and Box Office Mojo's numbers don't go before nineteen eighty. So we're not going to do that this time. All right. This is, uh, I suppose, one of the older films we've watched. Neat. Yeah, yeah, no. neat, neat, neat. It might be the oldest. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I guess it would have to compare this to A New Hope. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. That's true. I don't know. When did that come out? Seventy-seven. Ooh, okay. So close then, so close. And we weren't doing this at that time because that no. was our first ever episode when we were very bad at this, <laughs> and we're better now because we're thirty-five episodes in, thirty-six, something like that. <laughs> uh, let's talk about reviews. Uh, this is going to be also to keep in mind with older films is they weren't. Uh, reviewed the same way that they are now through the internet and all that so we look at Rotten Tomatoes scores so I'm not sure how this is going to work it might include reviews written well after the fact for like re-releases of critics and whatnot. I don't know 
So I guess we'll have to keep that in mind when we guess what the score may be. I do know that uh, Siskel and Ebert were the first people to review, like some of the first people to review this movie, and they enjoyed it. Good. Yeah. I did. Andrew, what do you think? What do you? What's your score guess? I'm going to give it a 90. Oh, that's what I was going to say. How much? 90. I'm going to match you. I'm going to say 92. 90 as well. <laughs> uh, oh, I'm gonna go. I think I, I, mm, I'll, I'm gonna go with a 91 just to prices right, everybody. Um, it is 93. Oh, 93. Well, we we're very good at guessing, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wow, 93. That's very good. Audience like, score of 89. Man, you, it's hard to catch a, a, a horror movie that gets a 93% in this day and age. How many reviews is that based on? Uh, 56. That's, that's decent for an older film. Yeah. What's the user score? 89. Hmm, that's, yeah, okay. Okay, fair enough. Uh, what? How many jack-o'-lanterns do we give this? I'm going to give this a four and a half out of five. Wow. I give it I give it four. Four out of five jack-o'-lanterns. I gave it a 3.75. This is, you, you and your cheating. It's it's right it in between. Seven fives. It's right in between. I, I really, I I enjoyed it quite a bit more than I thought I would. Yeah, you said you said it was boring yeah. before. You thought it was boring previously. Um, yeah, I you know, I, overall, the scares were still there for me. When you look at what it what went into making it with the low budget and all that, it's hard to not be impressed with it. Jamie Lee Curtis is great in her her film debut. Yeah, it's got a lot working for it, so I I really enjoyed it. Four out of five. She's done a lot. Four out of five jack o' lanterns. She, she's done a lot better over the years. I oh yeah, she, I mean she's the original screen queen. There you go. And we're excited to see her in Halloween twenty eighteen in a few weeks. So. That in that wraps up the show this week. We're doing Halloween all month long, like like we said in the opening of the show. I don't. A lot of this is still in the air. I'm not certain what we're doing next week, so maybe it'll be a surprise, and we'll tell you on our Facebook page. But just know it's a Halloween movie. There you go. Because we don't we have we don't know yet. <laughs> but we it's going to be a treat. It's going to be a trick or treat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll be back next week with another entry in the Halloween franchise. Find us online at facebook.com slash pod And on Instagram, you can also search for so many sequels pod there. Find our posts and let us know what you think of Halloween. Uh, let us know uh, which of the mini Halloween movies is your favorite. Maybe we'll pick one from your list to decide what to watch next. And leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to us for free on Apple Podcasts if you haven't done that yet. I assume you might have because you're listening to us. But you could be on SoundCloud, where we're also available. And uh, finally, I'm working on getting us onto more listening uh, platforms so that uh, we can be found in other ways besides Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. So we'll see how that goes in the future. Uh, Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with more Scary. Until then... So Many Sequels is hosted and produced by Josh Gammon, Garrett Powders, and Andrew Nichols. Editing was done by me, Josh. Our theme song is by Justin Mayer. Please check us out online at facebook.com slash so many sequels pod. So Many Sequels is a production of the OK Connection, celebrating the people, music, places, and events of Oklahoma.